0: I got swine flu.
1: By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Peggy Cleveland. And before we get to Peggy, Here's a few announcements. First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com, and there you'll find photos of our guests. You'll find stories that some of them have written, stories that I've written. You'll find links to their social media. You'll find links to our social media. And by that, of course, I mean Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, We have a Facebook page. Follow us. Give us a like on all those platforms. There are links to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. We're on iHeartRadio and basically everywhere you get your podcasts. So if you are listening on any of those places, give us a good rating. Follow us. Give us a like, a thumbs up, say some nice things. All those things help more people find the show. And if you do that, I would appreciate it. Peggy herself wrote me and asked if she could be on the show, and guess what? It worked. I put her on the show. So if you think you might be right for the show, or you know somebody who might be, write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Like I said, Peggy Cleveland wrote me to be on the show. She's a travel writer based in Tacoma. She just wrote a book, A Hundred Things to Do in Tacoma Before You Die. And I was intrigued because I've been to Seattle a number of times, but I never give its neighbor Tacoma any love. And Peggy believes it's time that Tacoma got some love. Peggy was a Navy brat growing up and lived all over. I get a lot of military brats kids who grew up whose parents were in the military, you learn to travel, you learn to move all the time. Some people reject it when they get older and want to settle down in one place, but Peggy kept moving. And like I said, she served in the army, was stationed in Germany, was stationed in Korea. She met her husband who was also in the military and they moved all over the place and finally settled in Tacoma, a place where she really seems to love. So she wrote this travel guide for Tacoma and does travel writing for various other outlets. If you want to follow her, you can follow her at PeggyWhereShouldIGo.com. And that's also her handle on Instagram. Peggy, where should I go? So anyway, it was nice to meet her. I'm glad she reached out and I enjoyed my chat with her. Here's my Travel Tales talk with Peggy Cleveland. <music> Peggy Cleveland, hello.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Are you in your favored uh, Tacoma right now?
1: I am. And actually, it's a little uh, suburb of uh, outside of Tacoma called Stillicum, Washington.
0: Okay, but the book, a hundred was a hundred things to do in Tacoma before you die.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: First of all, why are we dying? What do you what do you know that we don't know? Why are we why are we in danger of passing away quickly?
1: um, (laughs) So I'm a pretty experienced traveler. I uh, served in the military, so I've been moving since I was a child, a total of uh, 33 times. And so when you move uh, so often, you're only in an area a short period of time. So you want to see everything um, that you can, uh, you know, before you move. So um, so we moved to, to Tacoma area. My husband was stationed at Joint Base Lewis-McCord. And so I started really exploring because we didn't think we were going to be here that long. And But ultimately, we decided to retire here because we just fell in love with the area. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, I saw that in your bio that you moved 33 times. I said, this is either an army brat or she's a fugitive of some sort.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes it feels like a little both, but now I started out, my dad was in the Navy. uh, So I did all the childhood moves. Uh, I think I went to three schools in fourth grade and then um, I joined the army. I served myself for uh, 12 years and then uh, met my husband in Korea when we were both serving there and then I got out and then continued moving as a military spouse for another uh, 20 years. So.
0: Wow. So a Navy brat. So does that mean uh, did you end up in San Diego at some point?
1: I was actually born there. And yeah. Okay. Well in the <laughs> I knew it was going to happen.
0: That or Annapolis or one of those. Yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, we were in Annapolis. Too. Yep. There we you go. We had the both. Naval Academy for a couple of years.
0: How about anything in Florida, Pensacola or something?
1: Um, Pensacola in Jacksonville, Florida. (laughs) You
0: really hit all the big ones. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I I, I really kind of consider Florida my home. That's kind of where we lived the longest growing up.
0: So you didn't uh, have to go to like, you know, a lot of army. So Navy, I don't know how they work it, but a lot of army kids end up living in Germany. (laughs) That's I talked to so many army brats who lived in Germany, but did you live overseas?
1: I did. But once I was in myself, that was um, my right. I mean,
0: yeah, you said you met in Korea. Yeah. Um, yeah but but you but as my a first, kid,
1: uh, duty assignment in the army um, when I was single was uh, Germany.
0: OK, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I
1: <was> very excited.
0: <laughs> you really hit all the military, uh, the tour. You did the whole tour. Well, Do you think uh, I, I talked to a lot of kids, who, you know, have moved around a lot that or a lot of travelers who moved around that much as a kid. Do you think that really kind of led you to this life of wanting to? travel so much because some people reject it and go, you know what? I'm staying in one place.
1: Oh, uh, definitely for me. So uh, when I was nine years old, this is like the first major trip. I really, really remember. We moved from uh, San Diego, California. And uh, back in the day, we actually lived in Coronado when you could still afford to live there. Yeah, And uh, we moved all the way to uh, Newport, Rhode Island. And so it was just this epic trip. Five kids, Pontiac station wagon, our little dachshund. Uh, you know, it took us about, uh, I think we did about two weeks, you know, visiting relatives along the way, like you did back in the the old <laughs> days. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that just sparked my love of travel. I mean, seeing Monument Valley and uh, the Grand Canyon and everything. It was just I, like, I, I still even though you know, I'm 60 now, I still remember that trip so vividly. And that really sparked my love of travel.
0: Yeah, I took that same trip around the same time uh from Chicago to California the first time I ever went there, you know. Again, the uh three kids in the station wagon, AM radio.
1: Oh, no yeah. air no air conditioning. <laughs> no, and that was no air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> you had to get up uh you had to drive at night from San Diego to get across the desert and then uh those were the days too where uh I-10 I don't think was all the way finished. And so you also had to be really conscious of the gas. So you would find a gas station and it would say last gas, you know, for some right. miles. And you really had to time it out. And so for us, we drove and then um we made it across the desert, but it was still early, too early for any gas stations to be closed. So I can remember sleeping in the, the station wagon with the whole family waiting for the gas station to open.
0: <laughs> so did you join the uh the army right out of uh, high school?
1: Uh, no, I went to um, college for two years, and I was doing Army ROTC. And I actually got um, I got kind of sick with a mono. I moved back home and everything. And then when I decided to you know think about going back to school and everything, I decided to I enlisted. And then I was a photojournalist in the reserves. And then when I went on active duty, I was a um, Czech linguist. Um, and then I did six years enlisted service and then I got my commission through OCS and finished school. And then, um, and then did six years as an officer. And then I got out, um, when I met my husband cause we wanted to have kids mm-hmm. <laughs> we figured we didn't both need to be in.
0: So. Okay. So you were in your station in Germany and Korea?
1: Yes. Yes. Wow. So I was Germany. I was enlisted. And that was actually a really cool experience. Um, Cause growing up, uh, we didn't have the internet. So you had encyclopedias and we had this little set of books and it was called the bookshelf for boys and girls. And volume six was all about art and music. And I was an obsessive reader as a child. So I read this book cover to cover and I'm like, one day I'm going to go see all these pieces of artwork. <laughs> and so when I got assigned to Germany, that was just like a dream come true. So, you know, rather than trying to cram that all in on a two week bus tour You know, I got to see Europe one week in a month for two years and it was just just a life changing experience. I just had so many um, neat, neat things that, you know, you could never experience at that at that time of my life to, you know, being younger. And I didn't have any responsibilities. So pretty much spent every penny on travel.
0: What city were you based in?
1: I was based out of Stuttgart, and uh, my Bible at the time was uh, Europe Through the Back Door with uh, Rick Steves. Oh, sure. And yeah. at that time, he was this young, kind of cool, hippie dude, you know, yeah. backpacking around Europe. <laughs> and so I would bring that with me, and I gave me a lot of tips on traveling.
0: So what was, uh, so I'm talking, I guess this would be, was this the 80s?
1: It was, well, uh, late 80s. So I got over there in 88, and I was there when the wall fell down. So I was I was there
0: like six months before the wall came. You know, I went to Berlin oh, wow. in 89. We? That was my first trip to Europe.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I, was I
0: went through Checkpoint Charlie and I did the whole uh you know, I went to East Berlin for the day. You know, I still have some East German money <laughs> so oh, wow. like somewhere.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was pretty was my,
0: bizarre.
1: That was my biggest regret because um we had uh security clearances so for a certain time, we we weren't allowed to, it was really strict about where you could travel and not travel. So,
0: so you were there for the reunification.
1: Um, It was just kind of starting, you know, it was, and it was kind of really interesting because I was in military intelligence and there wasn't a lot of warning about this. Like we weren't sitting there going, Oh, this is communism's getting ready to collapse. It was just like, you're doing your job and suddenly it's like, wow, people aren't talking a lot. You know, we're not not getting a lot of intel in from all these different armies because you had the you know, the Russians, the East Germans, and the Czechs, and you just weren't hearing a lot. And then suddenly, boom, the wall came down and everything collapsed. <laughs> it was just crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, I try to explain to young people how fast things can change, you know. But when we weren't there for the first time. There was, uh, you know, a Czechoslovakia, a Yugoslavia, a Soviet oh, yeah. Union. There was two Germanys. And none yeah. of that, none of those things exist anymore. There was no EU. You had to change money at every, every country, oh, yeah. which was a big pain in the ass. It
1: really was. <laughs> I, um, I was able to go back uh, years later with my husband and um, we were in Germany. I can't remember where we were driving, but somehow we crossed the point where it was between West Germany and East Germany. And it was marked on a was a sign on the Audubon. And uh and I just got really quiet. My husband was like, What? I'm like, I just can't even believe, you know, this because I said, you know, when I was here, this was like the, you know, between North and South Korea, there was just Yeah, we were and,
0: spying on these guys not yeah, too long ago. I mean,
1: there was mines <laughs> and you know, this was just like a border, just like like, you know, what we saw in Korea. And I said, I just can't believe I'm in a car, you know, just driving there.
0: What were some of your favorite places and memories of just traveling around Europe when you were stationed over there?
1: Well, um, one of them was in Brussels, and this was, I think it, I don't know if the wall had come down yet, or it was probably pretty close around that time. And uh there was the street singer in Brussels, and uh he was singing all the great, you know, he was just the Eagles and all these just American songs, but he didn't speak a word of English. And so, but he was really, really talented. So, you know, we stopped there and I was with uh, three other friends. We were all traveling together and, you know, we listened to him. The crowd gets, you know, bigger and bigger. And, you know, we were probably one of the few people uh, speaking English. And so he would, he would communicate by people would just shout out a song and then he would start singing it. And then uh, the police came, you know, and they broke it up. And we kind of moved two blocks down. And uh, I remember there was like a wine shop, so people had bottles of wine. They were passing around, and everybody was singing. And then um, it all culminated with him um, singing, "Know uh, We Are the World," and uh, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. it sounds so hokey, but it was all these people, you know, from all over the world, locking arms, singing that song. So
0: <laughs> Did was, you ever? Uh, did you? You didn't have to like wear. Uh, you wear civilian clothes traveling around right
1: you? when you when you left and um i was pretty lucky too with blonde hair blue eyes you know i just take my hair down and i kind of blend it in which is really nice <laughs> you know?
0: they thought you were they thought you were uh swedish or something
1: <laughs> yeah German. i'd always get you know i'd take this transportation in germany the the little old ladies would always talk to me and i would just be so apologetic because i didn't really speak any uh-huh. German
0: did you ever pick up another language
1: well i had um Check, which I learned uh, through the army, but I, I would say I don't think it was so much conversational as military check. So you know, i yeah. could talk about tanks and uh, <laughs> you know, surface-to-air missiles. but oh, no, yeah, very better, useful like, in everyday. Where do I go eat? Yeah, when <laughs> so.
0: you're when you're trying to order a coffee, it's very useful to oh,
1: order yeah. a tank
0: instead. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, w- any other memories? Did you want to leave? Or, I mean. Were you looking to come back or was that a point uh, in your well, life? I was stationed
1: there for two two years and um and then I, I think I was about ready to come back to the States because it's you know, I was real close to my family. So at that time, you know, you didn't have cell phones and you know to yeah. call was like a dollar a minute. <laughs> so <Right>. but, yeah, <laughs> I was a little, little bit homesick, but um <laughs> yeah, but I just loved it. I'm trying to think, um oh, I remember um going to Rome, and um, I'm Catholic, so when I was stationed at DLI, that was when Pope John Paul II came, and so um, the, there was a big to-do, because originally the the students were all, you know, the military, you were uh, going to be able to help with this thing, because it was such a big deal, and there were so many crowds um, coming in, and, um, and then there was a big to-do, I think, you know, separation church and state, all, all that, or somebody made a complaint, so then it ended up we had the day off and that you could volunteer if you wanted. So there are a group of us that volunteered and I think we must have directed buses for like 19 hours. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. So you got the buses set and then we got to go, you know, to the mass and hear the Pope. And uh, while I was standing out there, I saw his limo go by and it was pretty cool. But so years later, I'm in uh, Rome for Christmas Eve and we get to go to Christmas Eve Mass. And there, you know, you had a bus to, to you had to have tickets, and so they're ushering us in. And right before we're supposed to go into St. Peter's, they kind of shuttle us off. And I'm like, oh, I was so disappointed because I thought our tickets got us into the church, not outside with all the crowds. The next thing I know we're like walking forever and we walk around the side of St. Peter's and all the way around and it's shaped kind of like a cross. And so we came in one side and we were probably like three or four uh, rows uh, from the, from the altar. So it was just a really incredible experience. And then, um, St. Peter's is usually pretty dim, but when they televise a mass, they flip the floodlights on. And so suddenly this whole church just erupted in all this color. And you could see all this artwork that you, you know, when I saw it during the day, I never noticed. So that was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> of course, my Catholic mom was, well, that was your reward, you know, directing buses for yeah. direct best <laughs> 19 hours.
0: <laughs> well, you, your timing was pretty good in terms of the military. I mean, we couldn't help your age at the time. But I mean, we were in a relatively peaceful time for for us. I mean, in oh, terms dude. of like wartime and everything like that. <laughs> Did amazing. you get out right before Desert Storm? I mean, uh,
1: no, I was I was actually in Fort Drum and it was kind of well, not that war is funny, but we're mm. um, we're at Fort Drum and they were just kind of standing up the 10th Mountain Division. So we're like, man, they're going to send the Boy Scouts, you know, before they send us because like all these units were going. And I remember we were um, we were sent on this exercise down at uh, Fort Chaffee, Arkansas, and that was right when the um, war was kicking off. And we're we're sitting uh, all the vehicles were lined up in a parking lot waiting to because it was simulating aircraft. So you had to wait to your time for your aircraft to fly into the, the exercise box. So we had all this intercept equipment. So we turned it on and was able to listen to the war and we're like sitting, it was just so surreal because you're with all your gear and everything like you would be if you were going to war. Cause we were, you know, at an exercise sitting in our Humvees, listening to the war, you know, waiting to go in this exercise box, <laughs> kind of, you know, uh, that sense like you really, you wanted to be there cause you trained for it. But um
0: yeah, yeah well, so. But on the other hand, you're kind of glad you didn't. Yeah, I'm glad go. now, too. Yeah,
1: yeah definitely. So, All um, right. but yeah. And then um, and then uh, when I went to Korea um, after I got out, that's when the, the rest of the stuff, 9-11 happened. And right.
0: Married, so. so did you end up having the uh, starting a family?
1: We did. We have two boys. Um My oldest is going to be 22 and my youngest is 20 now. Oh, any of them follow you into the military? Yeah, actually, both of them. My oldest is a dog handler now and he's stationed in Washington, D.C., attached to the old guard. Mm -hmm. And then my youngest is studying to be a commercial pilot uh, and he still lives at home, but he wanted to learn how planes work. So he joined the Air Force Reserves and got a got a bunch of uh, Air Force training on the communications and navigation system. So I think that'll all tie in with his future career. Well you're a good uh,
0: place for it because as most people know, love most people hear of Tacoma through SeaTac Airport. Right.
1: Right. And <laughs> Boeing's here too. And
0: Boeing's there. And so you, you know, everybody knows Seattle, but Tacoma oh, doesn't get much love. So no, you know
1: it does. So you're the it,
0: one no. who who gave it some love. So tell me yeah, why so I, well, I why you really took exc- it upon yourself.
1: Yeah, so uh, Reedy Press, actually, um, they do these series of travel guides, and they they have the brand 100 Things to Do Before You Die. Um, And so, like, 100 Things, you know, I think there's one for Seattle, 100 Things to Do in Seattle Before You Die. Um, So they approached... um, Travel Tacoma, which is the the destination um, organization that kind of represents the Tacoma area and Pierce County for travel and asked for a writer. And they happened to recommend me. Um, So I was really excited. One that Reedy press, you know, just even knew about Tacoma and decided they wanted to do a book on it. But they're finding that the books for like the medium sized cities are doing a lot of doing a lot better because people want to especially now since Tacoma, I think people want smaller, more authentic experiences that you can't necessarily get in a big city. And the big cities, you know, like Seattle, New York, you know, people coming from other countries, you know, tend to gravitate towards the big cities. And so there's not a whole lot of information, you know, written for a lot of the smaller places. So unless you're local. So anyway, so I was just really excited. And it's it's kind of like my love letter to Tacoma because this is just such a beautiful area. And, um, I just was blown away by it. And so, you know, living here for two years and then now we've been here, I think we're coming up on our eighth year, uh, but we just fell in love with it. And I've been so many places where after two years, I, I get what I call the go bug. I'm like, ready to move, ready to go. And <laughs> I have not even scratched the surface of all the sea and doing this area. And I am an obsessive traveler. I mean, we usually are always doing something, you know, going out of town at least one week in a month, and then taking trips throughout the year and day trips and everything. So,
0: so yeah, so like Seattle, um, I've been to a, many times, but I never thought of going <laughs> over to Tacoma because I figure, <laughs> well, I'm Seattle here. You know, I see the mountains, I can do my things, and uh, so I'm I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I have nothing oh, yeah. against Tacoma, but I just never it was just, I was never there long enough to, you know, make this. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, you'll, you'll definitely
1: have to come. So um, one of the things I've committed myself to saying is I'm no longer saying I'm South. I live South of Seattle because (laughs) people ask where you're from and you say Tacoma and they're like, where's that? And you say South of Seattle. So a lot of people just cut it short and just say they're South of Seattle, but I've committed, especially now with this book that I'm from Tacoma or the Tacoma area. So yeah, so Tacoma's definitely, you know, been overshadowed by Seattle. But we have so many neat things, and not to denigrate Seattle, but you know, when one of the top tourist attractions is a wall of gum. Yeah. Know, it's kind of just really gross and disgusting. <laughs> and, and then you have the the Fremont Troll, which is it's kind of cool to go see once, yeah. but it's Starbucks very smelly. You know,
0: the, the first Starbucks.
1: <laughs> so we just have this uh pristine area. So um Tacoma's got this kind of history of being the, the grit grit or gritty city because, you know, it went through some uh, seedy times, but it's definitely not like that any longer. Um, one of the areas I love is the um, Point Defiance, Point Rustin area. So Point Defiance is this just incredible uh, city park, and it's been there for well over 100 years, and the people of Tacoma recognize what a beautiful property this was. And so you have this old-growth forest with you can't even believe the size of these trees right in the middle of of town, which is <laughs> really cool and um and then out at Point defiance, you have a zoo, you have a mock up of one of the original forts uh, there's just a gorgeous beach and uh and the gardens are just just incredible, so there's something you know for everybody there. Uh, But the thing that was missing was kind of like a really nice hotel. And so now um, it's called Point Ruston, and this is all on Commencement Bay, which is part of the uh, Puget Sound. So you've got this just stunning waterfront area. When I mean stunning, it would just blow you away. You look out and um, you see the sound and there's a group of islands. And then in the distance, you see the Olympic uh, Mountains, which are part of Olympic National Park. You know, with the snow tops, so you get a you get this water and mountain view all at the same time, which is really right. cool. Uh, but anyways, the Silver Cloud um, Hotel just opened up um, in Point Rest, and I, uh, I think it was last last year. Uh, but anyways, just this really nice, beautiful, luxury hotel with a rooftop pool, so you can actually go and stay at Point Rest and and access everything in Tacoma, and a lot of it you can even walk or bike to. <laughs>
0: Great. That area. So if I fly into SeaTac Airport, how far from Tacoma, like downtown Tacoma, how long would that take in a car?
1: Um, takes about thirty to forty-five minutes, I think. Oh, that much? Okay. Yeah, it's well for downtown Tacoma, you could probably get there um, a little bit quicker. But we have this area where they're doing some some work on I five where around the Tacoma Dome and everything kind of slows down there, but. Um, yeah, so it's, um, but it takes you about the same distance to get into, um, Seattle from the airport too. Yeah. traffic and everything. So So, it's not too bad.
0: So these books, when everybody writes a hundred things to do in blank before I die, do they give you a guideline of say, we want this much have to, because, you know, some of it has to do with food, you know, you should eat this. (laughs) Some of it has to do with, you know, nature activity stuff. Some of it has to do with, you know um entertainment or you know things oh you yeah see. so they, so they did get, they break it up that way like we need this yeah, many. Yeah.
1: so for me as a writer um it was actually a pretty easy book to write because it's all formatted um and you you have five different categories it's broken up into and then we had the flexibility like you didn't have to do 20 in each category but i'm kind of uh, like with the way my brain works, I'm like, I have to do 20 in each. It would just drive me crazy. If It was like 10. That's, and that's that
0: military years. training again. It has,
1: yeah, has that to that be in order. Be <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, and then they did give, you can do little suggested itineraries in the back and everything. So it's um, yeah. So it, it was pretty easy to write as far as that goes. And then each hundred item, it's just little blurbs and it's not really, um, like, this is not going to tell you, go here, go here. It's it's just going to give you little insights into the area. So when I'm, when I write like a little blurb, I'll just tell you something interesting about it versus, you know, it's open from, you know, 9am to 5pm. And then at the bottom, you know, you have the phone number and the address and everything for the destination, but it's definitely a good, good start point. Um, I think for me, the biggest stress was that I, I was picking out the hundred things mm-hmm. and I'm not a, you know, I'm not a native of the area. So I know there'll be people that'll be like, why didn't you pick this? Why didn't you pick that? It's because there's only 20, you know, only a hundred right. things. There's only, you know, 20 in each of these categories. So,
0: well, that's a risk. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you like, was there a moment there you're like, yeah, maybe I should talk to a couple natives and really get there?
1: Well, I, I've reached out to a lot of people, <laughs> you know, it's funny too, because a lot of times people just don't get back to you, but I did reach out to um, there's a company. It's called um, pretty, pretty, is it pretty gritty tours. Um, and they do um, historic tours of uh, Tacoma and, um, and then also grit city magazine. They're just, they're, both groups are just people that just really love the city. And I, I mentioned both of them in the forward to the book, uh, but they gave me some suggestions for people that were DJs. Cause I wasn't really familiar with the music scene. And that was one of the categories, music and entertainment. Um, right. So I reached out to a couple local DJs and they gave me some suggestions as to good, uh, good night spots, you know, cause it wasn't <laughs> that I was that familiar with. Um, yeah. And then most of the places I just um, visited as um you know, as I lived here and when I first moved here, um I did a lot of volunteer work as a military spouse. And so we um had the spouses club. And so I ran the group called the Pacific Northwest Explorers. And I would take, you know, this group of ladies out for a day trip and we would go, we'd have to leave. I'd always said it. So it was left after school started. <laughs> and then we got You got back, you know, usually before school got out, but I always broke it up too. there was always like two or three things like something in the morning lunch and then something in the afternoon. So they had to break away, you know, they could still go. So that's how I explored a lot of the places, too. So I just when I was picking the hundred, I tried to think of it not so much as me, a local, but, you know, somebody coming in to visit the city and what were the things that I would like to do now that I've lived here. So that's kind of how I curated my list.
0: Okay. does Tacoma have its own tourism board or anything that have you? They reached do. Out to them? They do.
1: It's called uh, travel Tacoma. So you can go to travel and they've got a lot of great little itineraries on there um of things to do. Um one of the things I really like to do too, I don't know, are you familiar with Dale Chihuly and art class at all? No. Well, he's um he's probably the most well renowned um glass artist in the country, and he's from um from Tacoma. And so one of the big attractions in um, Seattle uh, near the Space Center Center is this um, Chihuly's um, Garden of Glass.
0: Oh, wait a minute. Yes, I do know this.
1: Yeah. So, um, but a lot of people don't realize is that you can see so many of his works for free in Tacoma because he donated a lot of uh, pretty just incredible pieces um, to the city. So the old... um, the old train station union station um is now it's now a federal building um but he donated i think there's either i think there's four pieces of his work in there so you can just go in show your id and go into this just you know massive train station lobby you know and look up and one of his giant chandeliers is hanging down and then there's a couple um pieces of his art that are just incredible And ones um, the station has this giant um, like half moon shaped uh, window that's just huge you know it's probably two stories high and so he has an installation in that and then when you look out of it you can see his um, the glass bridge is bridge of glass and also um, the um, we actually have a a glass museum as well, and it's got this iconic uh, silver cone because they they actually make uh, glass work at the museum every day, so you can watch people doing that. So, oh, that's cool.
0: A cool
1: place, yeah, and it's free, you know, except for the obviously the museums you have to pay for. Um, but that's just a great little itinerary to go downtown in the museum district. You can partner the um, Tacoma Art Museum and then just walk up and go walk and see all these uh, free uh, pieces of art. <laughs> so. What?
0: What's the population of Tacoma as compared to Seattle?
1: I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't know. Let's just
0: say it's a little smaller. How about that? Yeah, Yeah,
1: definitely. And it's um, so you have Tacoma. And so I wrote mostly about Tacoma, but I did um include some outlying uh places like um uh, joint Base lewis McCord started out as Camp uh, Lewis in World War One, And so there's actually a couple buildings that are left from that time. And one is now um, the uh, Lewis Army Museum. And so you can go and see that. It's a pretty iconic building. People see it when you go up and down I-5. Um, so that's kind of a neat area to go check out. Um, in the little DuPont area, DuPont used to be, a, you know, DuPont company town. And so, you know, that's, that's something interesting to see. So,
0: so tell me how you go from army wife <laughs> and uh, to civilian life to mother and then travel writer. How did that happen?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a crazy story. I will have to admit the hardest job I've ever been is as is being the military spouse. I feel like it was so much <laughs> harder than when I was in, um, you know, some of the things, but um. Yeah, so uh, I've always been good at writing, and um, my first job in the military was an Army uh, journalist um, covering the reserve units. It's something I always liked and, you know, was hoping to get back to it at some point, maybe go to, to more school for it. Um, so we, we arrived here, and I'm, you know, Army spouse. My husband's a little more senior now, so I'm doing a lot more volunteer work. And our um, spouses club did this auction every year. In this one year, the theme was the 100th anniversary of Camp Lewis. And so I love history, too. So it was just a great fit for me. So I volunteered to um, do like a little um, like the auction catalog and and add like historic stories in it. And I'm like, you know, we can make a lot of money selling advertising for this. And then I found out that there's this um, local paper. Um, called the the Ranger and the airlifter, and it wasn 't the official military paper; it was just one family owned business you know that targeted the military i 'm like i want to see so they were doing a hundredth anniversary magazine so i 'm like i want to see if they 're going to get we can get a free ad for our uh, our auction since it 's the same theme. and so you know I call them and everything, and they 're like no, we have to sell all the advertising because it's a magazine. It's more expensive. And I said, well, I write, can we maybe work a trade? And so they said, well, you'll have to write, talk to our publisher. So I email him. I just give him a little bit of, about my background. So the man's never read anything I work or, or, you know, any of my work or anything doesn't know me from, <laughs> from Adam. So he says, I'd really like to meet you for coffee and talk to you about writing for us. And I'm like, okay, this is really weird. You know, and I wasn't quite ready to, um, go back to work. Cause the kids were still in high school and stuff. So I go and I meet him for coffee and we, um, we chat and he, he just slowly reels me in. He's like, you know, you can write one article a week or you can write, you know, multiple ones. And, you know, so just, and then, and so he kind of had me hooked. And then he says, you know, if you want to take a cup once off, you can, you know, there's no commitment. And then the, the last thing he said was, um, well, what are your long-term goals? And I said, well, I've always wanted to be a travel writer and he said, well, as a matter of fact, um, we're trying to step up our travel. So even though it was a w- weekly newspaper, they were going to run at least one travel article a week. And he says, oh, by the way, did you know um, when you go to a lot of these destinations, they'll host you and bring you in to write about them? And I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> so anyways, he basically sucked me right in
0: and uh,
1: <laughs> I started writing for them. And so, you know, it started out small. I would do day trips and then, um, you know, I, I started um uh, I went to a conference called Travel in Words. And Alan Cox um, is the editor for um, Northwest Travel and Life magazine. And he was just um, a great mentor to young writers. This was before uh, COVID. Um, and so, you know, I got a lot of input from that conference. And then so I kind of branched out regionally. And then it's just kind of taken off. And now, um, now I'm at the point I write for um, this company called Travel Awaits. And um, I can do international trips, so it's been uh, it's been a really good good experience.
0: It travel awaits. Is this all online?
1: It is. It's uh, travelawaits dot com, and um, it's crazy the numbers they get. They get um, over eight million views a month, and it's a really targeted audience because it's um, for people that are over fifty, that which is a huge travel audience.
0: I wouldn't know yeah. anything about that. Baby.
1: I know. I, 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 don't, I don't know what you're. <laughs> what you're referring uh, to. Yeah. And then you have to be over 50 to write for it too. So
0: again, I have no idea what you're, what you're implying. (laughs)
1: So even though it's over 50, they do have a lot of rumors. No, I may need that. uh, uh, I might need that
0: number from you. (laughs) Oh
1: yeah. No, I I think it's funny, but it's, um, it's, it's so rare that you can get, you know, those type of numbers in such a targeted audience. Well, I mean, uh, you know,
0: I'm, you know, my mid fifties now, you know, as much as I loathe to admit it well, in Hollywood. Like it <laughs> well, thank you. But, um, you know, it's not like it used to be in terms of, you know, our parents and travel in their fifties, you know, oh, <laughs> they, yeah. they were almost, uh, you know, they were still working at this point. They had, uh, I don't know, far less, I think air airfare was much more expensive, certainly for the middle class to be, you know, taking African vacations was kind of. Unheard of or anything like that, you know? And I think the world has gotten a little bit smaller. And I think um, airfare has come down, except not this summer.
1: Well, but,
0: <laughs> but you know what um, I mean? I mean, people are just a lot more mobile now. And I, we don't, I don't think, you know, we travel like our parents did. And certainly, I guess, I think single women over 50 is the n- fastest growing demographic in travel.
1: Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. And there's, you know, so many people um, do are doing the solo travel now, but you know, when our parents travel, or even when I first started traveling, you didn't have the internet. Yeah. So, it's a, it's you know, thinks, I think the travel was much more structured and then you would have, you know, someone like Rick Steves writing his book, or you, you know, or you'd
0: go to your travel agent.
1: Right. And yeah. then you would get people that backpacked around Europe, but you would just, you know, if, you could go somewhere and if there wasn't, you know, a room, you're out of luck. And yeah. so, um, especially for me, you know, traveling with kids, you know, that's something you have to, I always, you have to make sure you have a place to stay. Well, I
0: mean, also in your, in your fifties, you know, a lot of people are starting like you becoming empty nesters oh, and, ha- yeah. and have more time, you know, once you, once that last kid that gets out of college or gets out of high school, yeah. you, you can, you can, you can take off, you know?
1: Well, I think the, um, I think the travel Destinations are starting to be um, a little smart. You know, there's different markets for different places, but I think people are starting to recognize that that over fifty market, um, you know, has has the money to travel, and a big I think deal especially too. when looking at influencers and things, you know, if if somebody has a really young audience, that might even though they re- they want to do luxury travel, that may not be the best fit for the brand because. Uh, they need people that can afford to pay the prices for the, the well, luxury travel.
0: I've also talked about this with other um, you know, people in the tourism industry and um, uh, people who you know, basically hire influencers
1: uh-huh.
0: and that kind of thing. You know, there's there's been kind of a bit of a backlash on that. Uh, you know, when, first of all, the numbers that they're putting up of followers and things like that is, is, can be very misleading. You can buy followers. Uh, there's not a lot of engagement. It could be right. just you know a twenty-two year old girl in a bikini taking photos of herself around <laughs> the, the world. Um, that could get big numbers, but it doesn't get a lot of engagement. And are people really going there? Because you know, the, yeah, and they be following her, but that doesn't mean they're going to travel to the destination. You know, so like brands and things are starting to wonder: Well, are we getting enough bang for our buck? Whereas someone in their fifties and over, if they're investigating a a location, they're really, they'll read your whole article. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> Cause we, you know still I mean? Read, we still read it. Well, you know. There is
0: some of that, but they're also but, do, they like do their homework. You know what I mean? And they oh, really, yeah. they'll take your advice more well, than, I think, a kid, you know?
1: Yeah. As, as far as influence, goes, I mean, there's definitely a market for everybody. And, um, but what I'm finding now is like when I first started, um, I don't think people were as vetting you as much as they, they are now. Like now, um, you know, it's taken me a couple of years to build my reputation. So now I, I feel pretty confident usually when I reach out to somebody, um, that, that will end up working together, but, um, you know, they do, they do check a lot more than they used to, um, and everything. So.
0: Right. I mean, yeah. I've always been tough, you know, I'm not the, uh, on the first wave of any kind of tech. How did yeah. you, how did you uh, handle social media and how do you do it now? And what was your initial response to it? And has that changed?
1: Well, I still hate it, but I feel <laughs> like it's, <laughs> well, I I feel like Facebook was God's gift to military spouses. Cause I think that was the yeah. hardest thing. You yeah. know, you move and you leave the people. And so technology, as far as that aspect of, you know, being all over the place was just huge. It was just so nice. Like even now I keep in touch with people, you know, that I might've met, you know, 20 years ago and, you know, was able to follow them and, you know, keep in touch that way. So that aspect of it, I, I really, really like it even with uh, you know, with, having boys of course video games is a big part of their life but i can Mm -hmm. remember this epic game they were having and you know one kid was in rhode island another was in georgia you know
0: one's in in korea
1: and they're all playing you know playing this game together so that that part of it's cool but um right now i typically um focus on instagram just because i feel like um instagram's really good for travel with the photos and um and now with the reels too, uh, but it's just such a happy place. Like I, I have a Twitter account, but I rarely use it. Cause it's just. Yeah. That's
0: a cesspool over there. It's tough yeah, for me like, to he, stick yeah, on.
1: And it. I just, I, I just like to write about happy things. <laughs> <laughs> so see beautiful pictures. So I, I do enjoy Instagram, but. And then because well, like, it's a, yeah Facebook, just to keep in touch with people,
0: but yeah, I was said Facebook, I mean, without it, I mean, for uh, I have problems with it as well, but I mean, as someone like us who who travel around the world and know people around the world, right it I would have lost contact with so many people like I used to, I mean, all those oh, people yeah. there's one guy oh. that I met on my trip in eighty nine six weeks backpacking around that I uh-huh. stayed in touch with, and the only reason we kind of stayed in touch was Facebook when it came around, but I mean, other than that, I mean, we were writing postcards.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. And I, I'll be honest with you. I got kind of cold with it after a while moving. Cause I'm like, you know, you're going to drag it out. You might write, you know, for a year. Yeah. And then it just fades off to Christmas card. But I was like, bye, see you later. And I just never looked back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's say it's like, if it wasn't for keeping track, you know, keeping in touch with my friends around the world and that your birthday, when you get all those <laughs> happy birthday messages, Those two things are like Facebook redeems itself the rest of the year. eh, It's, it's a big time suck, but the other times it's like your birthday and keep it in touch. Those are the two best things about it. But yeah, I mean, have you, was it tough for you to incorporate? I mean, are you doing much video or is it just,
1: um, I love doing reels. I'm really having fun with those. Um, And I don't, I'm trying to get better about putting myself you know, I, cause I'm a writer. I don't like to be in the public eye. You know, I like to be more behind the scenes, but I'm, so I'm getting a little more comfortable about being on camera and, and doing things like that, but, um, it's fun. And then I'm getting ready to start an Instagram page. We just got a, uh, Corgi puppy. Unexpectedly, my son oh, brought boy. it home for a Christmas gift for the family. Oh,
0: that, what a gift. Here, here's a yes. here's a 15-year commitment. Here the you go. The only thing
1: I can say is thank goodness he's so dang cute. Or right. I don't know if he would have survived that for six months.
0: So, <laughs> uh, so, he's, so the puppy's going to have his own page?
1: Yeah, because his name's Pork <laughs> Chop. And so at some point, we're going to have to get him trained so he can take work road trips <laughs>
0: oh yeah yeah oh for sure is he small enough to like well i don't know how big he'll get but we'll be able to fit in the carry-on
1: <laughs> um not to fly no but to do road trips so in the car <laughs> yeah
0: got to get him car trained <laughs>
1: for yeah. sure so yeah, you, but said- you know when you were talking about how um you know with social media and i like to just walk right about uh happy things so when i um when i'm traveling you know sometimes there'll be things that are just maybe not quite up to snuff. So I tend to, uh, when that happens, I'll talk with the destination and and give feedback to the hotel or the place that was not great and tell them why I couldn't write about them. So um, rather than, uh, cause people, rather than just, you know, jump in and give a negative review, cause people can have off days, but, you know, I've kind of traveled enough to where you kind of know, like you can tell a hotel if, you can tell if it's an off night for a meal, but the food was probably really good. You know, right, right. At a restaurant. But, um, you know, so you can tell the difference between, wow, this is really bad, or they're just having an off night. And I think <laughs> that kind of comes with experience, too. Yeah,
0: sure. Um, you said you had a couple travel tales in your pocket that you, uh, oh, that
1: yeah. you wanted to talk <laughs> about. So. <laughs>
0: Let's Give us a couple of those.
1: Do you want the most horrifying one first? Oh, yeah, that? I love
0: horrifying stories. Okay.
1: Well, I got two horrifying ones.
0: Oh, super!
1: The first one's a, so this is um, this was actually a day trip. So I took my um, sons and their friend to um, Tybee Island to go to the beach. And so, um, you know, one thing people need to realize when they have the warning flags and things on the beach, you know, that really so this was kind of a rough day so that the kids were playing but you know i was making sure they didn't go out too far and then um but while we were there the um the life cards kept going up and down in the beach and their little atvs and kind of like i don't know what's going on so um my the boy's mom uh friend's mom showed up and so we decided to take the boys and walk down the beach and so as we're walking back Um, one of the boys yells mom it's a um, there's a walrus and we look in the water and um, this is just so tragic it was a um, bloated bloated drowned man washed up on the beach (laughs) with three kids you know that are like in between like you know third and uh, no they must have been like second and third grade and I'm like and so my friend you know grabs her she's like Peggy Peggy, because you're looking and I'm like it can't be a walrus because we're in tiny yeah, Island yeah, in Georgia,
0: little, you know, a so, little far South and for so a my
1: grabs my arm and she's like, Oh my gosh, it's a dead body. <laughs> oh
0: like, no. Oh my
1: God. So I get the kids. I'm like, come on, come on. And then, um, we see another couple coming towards us. And we tell the man, Hey, this body just washed up on the beach. And so he went and ran and got the, the lifeguard and everything. But I think that's probably the, probably the worst, uh, travel experience ever had oh. that was just crazy did they ever Can find I, out what happened did you yeah forget the story? so later on and, and very sad because he was a visitor to the island and um he and his wife had been out in the waves and they were kind of kneel. i guess they were kneeling down and the waves kept whacking them so the wife walked up on the beach and then um when she turned around and looked back he was gone Oh, and, man. um, so he just gotten sucked, sucked in with the riptide and, um, and he didn't know how to swim. So I just didn't know how to
0: swim. Uh, no,
1: and just to be in that rough water, I I just, it yeah. was just really tragic. So, um, but I was so grateful, um, uh, that we found him because I can't even imagine being in that situation and not never know, you know, for days, not knowing what happened to him. Man. So,
0: And the kids had a story, a story to tell at school.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, <man. laughs> How was your trip? Well, let me tell you.
1: Yeah, definitely. We so. saw a
0: walrus, a Georgia walrus.
1: Yeah. Wow. So, Oof, yeah. That man. was, that's probably the craziest thing I've ever had
0: happened. Oh.
1: Let's see. So on a more humorous story. Okay. Um, so when I was in uh station in Germany, I was a Czech linguist and, um, at that time, you know, it was, the wall was up. So the only people that, that left, um, like Czechoslovakia or East Germany or Russia were you know obviously people in the, in the party you know very uh, trustworthy um, people so um my friend and I uh were skiing, I think we were in Austria on one of these military you know ski trips they used to do back in the day, and um, oh a
0: military ski trip
1: yeah well, what they would do is well you you would just get time off and then the, the recreation would, you know, you paid for it and everything, but okay. they would just take us all on a bus trip. And so. I was going to
0: say, wait a minute, my tax dollars are going
1: for you. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think like way back in the day, it was probably a little more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it probably was, but. Um, this is so like anyway, the movie Stripes. So
0: we're, you were taking the, uh, the RV into the. Yeah. <laughs> the Czechoslovakia.
1: So my friend is blonde hair and blue eyes, like I am. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we're, we're up at the top of this lift and we're getting ready to um, ski down the mountain. And um, we hear two people t- to these two guys talking check. So um, she was a much better speaker than I was. So she engaged him because we are like, Oh, maybe we could, you know, practice our language, you know, and everything. So she starts speaking to him and usually, you know, especially she was very very pretty you know with her blonde hair you know people (laughs) always would talk to her these guys like got the deer in the headlight look and they just went skiing off down the the slope so i'm sure they they could not figure out how these americans could speak Czech,
0: and
1: (laughs) they were all freaked out
0: (laughs) did they um
1: we never we never saw them again again.
0: (laughs) did um so have you been to the back to the Czech Republic since? since no, no,
1: it's been on my list. I've just been dying to go to Prague. And um, yeah, I remember. It's um, yeah, it's it's. Yeah. And I don't think I, I want to say, wasn't it one of the countries that didn't really get bombed that much during World War Two? So I think no. a lot of it's real. Offensive. Yeah.
0: Prague was spared. I can't remember why. I uh, think maybe yeah. they had. um the Germans wanted it for something or they had factories there or they wanted it preserved for some reason, or maybe they had prisoners there. I don't know. I don't know why it worked why it was, but there was some uh, Krakow, the same thing. I think, you know, that was spared.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, been, while I while Warsaw was leveled,
0: you know, <laughs> yeah. Warsaw was wiped out and then, yeah. but Krakow. So I always tell people as, as great as Prague is, and it is beautiful. Um, mm. It's very touristy. So um, yeah. yeah Krakow, I think, is almost or just as beautiful, but it's also uh it's less touristy and less expensive. But they're both great I haven't
1: haven't been to um Prague, so I I don't I can't compare it, but I have been to Krakow. And you're right, it's not too at least when I was there, it was probably about 10 years ago. It was not um not very touristy at all. It was really I just feel like a nice authentic experience.
0: Well, the problem with Prague is also you get a lot of like weekenders like bachelor parties from England. And that kind of thing going. There. Oh, yeah. just, so it gets a little nutty because, you know, it's some of the best beer in the world. So, so <laughs> yeah. you know, if you like beer, you should go to the Czech Republic. There's three. Well, it's yeah.
1: funny because when I yeah. was stationed in Germany, um, a lot of the, the guys that lived in the barracks, they would go. There was this, uh, So we were in uh, this little town, Echterdingen, which is uh, where the airfield and the airport is for Stuttgart. And uh, we lived on the military side and they would go and there was like this little house and you would knock on the door and the guy would bring you up your crate of beer from yeah. um, from his basement. But it was Budvar, which was a Czech beer. And I thought that was just so odd that, you know, but you're right. You know, yeah. it's, it's really good beer. they
0: really. Yeah. There's, if you like beer, there's the three countries you have to go to Germany, of course, and then the Czech Republic and then Belgium. That's what I call the beer belt. You got to have <laughs> anybody who loves beer has to make a pilgrimage to those three countries. Cause it is amazing.
1: Oh, I, mean, yeah, yeah.
0: At, I mean, I like, I like beer. I'm not a connoisseur, but I remember just walking anywhere in the Czech Republic. Going, you, oh, and yeah. you just any pub and you would just pick the cheapest local draft, whatever at, at random. And you oh. drink it and be like, Oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is incredible.
1: <laughs> well, you and have to come to Tacoma. Uh, Cause we have a free, uh, Light rail that runs through town, and you can do a beer crawl and hit like six or eight breweries just from this um, this one uh, light rail.
0: Well, the Pacific Northwest loves their uh, micro beers. There's a tons of you know. I think Portland was maybe the number one per capita in in micro breweries, and then I know Seattle's up there.
1: Um, Oh yeah, Bend, Bend, Oregon is really big, and San Diego that might be one of the top ones. And then, but um, Washington too. I mean, I, I would throw the beers out here, you know, with, with everybody. There's just some really. Are there wineries in the area too? Oh, Washington. Oh my gosh. So I'm speaking from my, my husband fam, family actually um, owns a vineyard in California, but the the wines in Washington are just incredible. It's just some great areas. In fact, um, everything's grown mostly on the um, Eastern side of the state. And so you have this big mountain range in between. So um I don't know how long ago, but there's a town called Woodinville, which is um, maybe 30 minutes from Seattle, 45 minutes. And so all these wineries decided to open tasting rooms there. So there's, I think, over 145 wineries, tasting rooms in Woodinville. So you can go to one town and pretty mm-hmm. much taste all of uh,
0: Washington's. No, uh, yeah, I've had some up there. It's it's really yeah. good. It's really good. Um, so... Like, where where do you see, uh, I mean, for your writing next? I mean, is there another book in the works for?
1: Well, I think um, so with Reedy Press, you got to do a lot of your own marketing for the books. I really appreciate you having me on today and um, having the chance to talk to about it a little bit. Um, so I probably need to see how that goes. But I really like the company. It's um, the whole editing process is really smooth and um, they're pretty easy books to write. Um you know, for me, based on like travel stories and the number of words, because um, I did get it out of my system. I wrote uh, the Tsar's Masquerade with my sister. And that's like this huge, uh, you know, epic, you know, war and peace gone with the wind book. So I got that out of my system and I'll never do it again. What's it called? It's called the Tsar's Masquerade. It's about the, the last Tsars of Russia's uh, family oh my gosh and A so big that, conspiracy theory <laughs> oh is it okay that's so, a whole other story but okay it sounds um, like yeah. uh, so it's not so, fiction um, it's
0: like a novel yes oh it is a so, novel
1: it is a novel
0: oh wow okay but I I'd didn't know I was talking 80%. to an author yeah
1: but it's probably 80% of it's probably is probably true There's there's a lot of just crazy stuff that went on with that story <laughs> Um, but as far as next books, I, I really want to do a hundred things to do on the Olympic peninsula before you die. Cause you have Olympic national parks right in the middle. And then there's just all these just cute little towns around the perimeter with all these like great places to eat and kooky places to stay. And just, um, and you have the, um, the indigenous people too, you know, with a lot of, um, of, of that type of stuff tourism as well. So there's a lot of really neat things that you can do that are really, really authentic and, um, and a hundred things to do in Tacoma before you die too. I tried to get small local businesses. So if there's a store in there, it's not going to be a chain. Um, and I just tried to, I, I'm just super passionate about small businesses. So I try to include them in all my work.
0: Well, I always wonder about that in terms of travel writing. I've talked to a number of lonely planet writers as well. Uh And, you know, a, a mention in the books could mean a lot of business for these oh, people. It's huge. And so, I mean, is that a give you some pressure of like, you know, who do I write about? Who do I leave off? And B, oh, yeah. are, there, are they trying to influence you in some way with, you know, <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, was, slip you a slippy little yeah, something? So, you know?
1: yeah, so that was, you know, for me, I I put in play, like, especially all the gifts in the shops. Um, all those are places I tend to go myself. So I, I was like, Oh, I really like this place. Like one of them, uh, Pine and Moss, it's in DuPont. So it's a little bit out of um, um, Tacoma, but you know, what a great story. So this uh, military dentist retired and started his own practice or not dentist orthodontist and he bought this big office building. So when um, Kimberly started her business there, you know, she was just starting out And so they were very supportive of her, you know, being the military. And so now um, military spouses have a really hard time with employment because people are like, I don't want to hire you because they know you're going to move. So she pretty much hires um, mostly, I think right now, probably 100 percent military spouses, um, to work in her shop. So her opening the shop and she's retired in the area too. In fact, was my neighbor when I lived at joint base, Lewis McCord. And so she's just got this great gift shop and, um, and then she, it supports, you know, all these military families too, by her being able to hire military spouses. So I think that's a great story.
0: No, that's great. That's cool. Um, so, um, you should give your websites and give your plugs and where can people find the book, and we'll have links on Travel Tales podcast as well. Okay. So
1: that sounds good. Well, I think um, my website, if you want to learn a little bit more about me, um, is pegywhereshouldigo dot com, <laughs> and it came about because um, I'm Peggy. I'm a travel expert, and people are always asking me, especially this area. Uh, you know, with the military families, you know, Peggy, I want to go somewhere on the weekend. Where should I go? (laughs) So that's how that came about. And then on Instagram, I'm Peggy, where should I go? And you'll see, um, See, mostly travel, but you'll start to see uh, our new uh, corgi puppy pork chop makes an appearance here and there. And he's always (laughs) really popular. In fact, I think he's more popular than I am as far as likes on the. uh, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No matter
0: what I put up there, you could put one uh, pork chop video and.
1: Oh, yeah. Like 10 times the response. Although my other best reel was Flaming Cheese, and that's that's actually Montezuma's is um, a Mexican restaurant that's in um, Tacoma, but it's very um, more upscale, and they just started doing this Flaming Cheese where uh, dip, but it's just, it's crazy, it's just beautiful, but anyways, people <laughs> really like Flaming yeah. Cheese or anything Flaming on a reel. Sure,
0: yeah, that's good.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think those are the two best places to to reach out.
0: So Peggy, where should I go is on, is your website. And then on Instagram, right. your Peggy,
1: where should I go as well? Peggy,
0: where should I go as well? Okay, that's right. easy.
1: And then um, the book, a hundred things to do in Tacoma before you die comes out in September of 2022. So I'm really looking forward to that. Where are
0: your dream destinations? Where do you, I mean, where, what's on your bucket list?
1: Well, this is just so tragic. So I was finally going to be on my bucket list trip and get to go to Russia on a Viking cruise. And yeah, I was that, that might be on hold for a little bit. May and COVID hit in March. And so it got canceled and I was just devastated and then um and then of course now with the war, I don't think I'm ever going to get to Russia. <laughs> so
0: yeah. It was on it, mine, you know, it was on my list too.
1: Yeah, uh, I still
0: hadn't been. But aside from there, I mean, I had to trans. Uh, COVID cost me a uh, Japan trip. Oh,
1: that, yeah. that's
0: when I canceled. But um, but I have like a dirty dozen of countries that I I have to get to. So soon. what's
1: what's on your list? Um,
0: I, I go by region, but in yeah, for Europe, Russia was on there, and Iceland. I still haven't been to Iceland.
1: I haven't been to Iceland. My sister yeah. lived there for. Uh, She was also in, in serve. She's in the, was in the Navy um, and she was stationed there for about three years. So it sounds like a really cool place. I have
0: Egypt and Morocco. I still haven't been to those. I have um, like Chile. I haven't been to the Galapagos, uh, something like that. A lot in Asia, uh, like Nepal. I haven't been, I haven't been to mainland China. I've been to Hong Kong and Taiwan, but I haven't been to mainland China.
1: So speaking of Nepal, another reason why you need to come up here, and if you do come to visit this area, I'll definitely show you around because there's some really cool things. So, um, so Pierce County is the the county that Tacoma's in, and so right up to um, the entrance of Mount Rainier is um, is part of Pierce County. So Tacoma actually markets itself as Mountain City C because you can actually go hike at Mount Rainier in the morning you know, come down in the afternoon and uh, do an urban uh, kayak and see the city from the water and then go to Broadway show in the evening. But anyways, in, in Ashford, I think it's called Wildberry Cafe. There's a Nepalese Sherpa who uh, runs a restaurant. It's open May through October. And he has the world's record for the fastest climb up Mount Rainier and not Mount Rainier, uh, Mount Everest. And he's summited Mount Everest three times and then he summited, and I'm not kidding, I could believe this number, but he summited Mount Rainier 97 times. Um, so he came you know, to this area and would do, um, worked with one of the mountain climbing um, businesses. And then he and his wife and family own this restaurant. So you can come in and they're really savvy. So she cooks all the authentic Nepalese food, but they also have burgers and fries and things right. that the children would like. So. Well, that's a what guy was, I want to interview. Oh yeah. He's, oh my gosh. Uh, was,
0: English
1: is. Yeah. I mean, is yeah. kind of okay. I mean, you could probably, I don't know if you could do a whole, um, 30, 45 minutes, but yeah. yeah, he's, he's really interesting. And then a little, little ways further for him is, um, another family. And, uh, they took over, I think it's the paradise Valley resort. And, um, it's now looks like a Ukrainian village. And so they're from the Ukraine and you can get that authentic food as well. And then they have the infamous uh, cannibal hot tub, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's this uh, cauldron that gets boiled over an open wood fire and then you uh, use it like a hot tub and they, he throws rocks in and you step on the rocks so you don't burn your feet on the cauldron.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Just oh, you some pictures of That him. sounds good. Yeah. Cool. Is that in the book? i not, no, because I was, I didn't have enough space. So I think um, <laughs> I'm hoping to do a book about Mount Rainier, 200 things to do around Mount Rainier before you die. Too. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Cause there's some really cool stuff. Like you can't make that up a cannibal hot tub.
0: No a cannibal right? hot tub. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Peggy, thanks for doing this. And I, uh, thanks for reaching out as well. You know, it was nice to meet you. Oh, and, you too. Yeah. And finally, I mean, what do you think? as someone who's traveled your whole life and been to so many places, what has all this travel taught you about yourself and people in the world? And how, how has it changed you?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, when you talk people, I think everybody, you know, if you just show a little interest in what they do, they'll just open you up, you know, and tell you so many amazing stories. So there's so many times I've been traveling and, and people like to talk to me too. So that's, a, that's kind of, um, my friends call it my superpower because people the I can't tell you how many times I've heard. Well, I've never told him by this, but you'll just find like unique stories. Like I can remember meeting this glass artist, and you know we're talking and talk, you know sharing stories, and um you know I never told him by this, but I like to restore military vehicles, and that's what he did for relaxing. And I'm like, that's just so crazy. You know, but mm-hmm. for an artist, that was something different. But it, in the art field, you know, military stuff isn't really popular. So I never really right. shared that with people. But you know, and so many times people say, oh you know, ask the locals, you know, cause they'll tell you the cool places to go eat or the, you know, some, Oh, make sure you see this, you know? <laughs> so that's what I always try to look for is, you know, what do the locals do? And I think my biggest tip, especially when you see everything going on with flights and craziness and summer travel, travel during the off season. So in the summer, you know, don't, don't go where everybody goes in the summer, go, go somewhere else, you know? And that's when you'll find you'll meet the local people you know the restaurants that are open in the off season that's where the locals eat and i think you'll find some really special experiences
0: great advice well thanks again for doing this and next time i'm in tacoma we'll definitely hang
1: sounds great that'll be
0: totally cool all right thank you so much you're welcome peggy cleveland everyone